Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I interview movement enthusiasts to find out who they are, what they do, and why they do it. This week, Rosie Noguchi discusses her involvement in PK Move, coaching, and why she is passionate about what they are doing. She shares her thoughts on the DC women's community and why it's been successfully running for over six years. Rosie reflects on the benefits of traveling for parkour and closes out with her experiences with gender and intergenerational training in parkour. Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. And I'm Rosie Noguchi. Rosie Noguchi is a coach, tresseuse, and board member of PK Move. Her first introduction to parkour was through her mother and led to her becoming a coach as well as a leader in the local women's community. Rosie co-founded PK Move to share this diverse discipline and community that she is so passionate about. Welcome, Rosie. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. Rosie, I mentioned that you began parkour training with your mom, and I want to draw the line. Like, So how did your mom get into parkour, and how did you wind up meeting Nancy? Yeah, absolutely. So my mom was looking for a program that did aerial silks, but just because I think she had probably watched some YouTube videos, and she thought that was you know, a very beautiful sport. And it just so happened that the gym that had the most affordable aerial silks program happened to be a parkour gym in the area. So she joined the parkour gym and I don't think she ever actually pursued silks after she had tried the intro to parkour class. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I didn't get introduced to parkour until maybe a year after my mom had already joined the gym. And so she and Nancy had already been training together for probably a year. And that's how I met Nancy was through my mom. <laughs> so it's a long way from your mom taking you to the silks class. No, wait, it's a parkour class. Right? <laughs> yes. It's a long way from there to being on the board as one of the founding people behind PK Move and being a coach for that community. And I'm wondering, when you went to your first parkour class, did you immediately see a calling to teach? Had you been teaching before that? Or was it just you you were moving and then suddenly they asked for volunteers and you forgot to step back? Or how did it become, <laughs> how did that path work out? Yeah, I definitely don't have any experience teaching anybody in anything before this. But as far as parkour goes, I was immediately taken to the training. I absolutely loved it. And I loved how with persistent training, I was making gains in mm -hmm. my abilities. So I was probably training for two years solid before Nancy came up with the inspiration the idea, yeah, right, to start the nonprofit. Initially, I wasn't even aware that it was a nonprofit. I was just thinking, hey, an organization, a group, a company. And it just happened to we decided eventually that nonprofit was the best choice to go for our model. What your mission was. And when that started to, because I've seen a couple of things form like that, and it, it always happens sort of very, all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, this is suddenly a thing. It like kind of materializes around you, unless you're that one or two key people who are really doing the, the legwork of like always thinking about it, making notes. So I'm wondering, were you involved from the very beginning with those discussions, or did it sort of just congeal into, oh, this is the core group of people who are going to form it? Like, how did that thing solidify from Nancy's original idea? Mm, yeah, we, we did have a few little, um, I guess, not hiccups, but we had some a few different attempts at the organization until we figured out that actually the nonprofit would work best. I was not one of the driving factors in that I was kind of always here. I'm going to be a co-founder. I'll definitely help out. But it was mostly uh, Nancy was actually the one with the vision and doing the research. 
yeah. So I would say it congealed around me and, <laughs> and I found my place. <laughs> I understand that you're also, well, I want to say heavily involved, but I'm not sure whether it's just because you really love going or whether you're also involved in organizing, but you're involved in the DC women's regular jams that happen. And I know that that happens both indoors and outdoors. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering that community or that event, how do you want to call that recurring thing? That's fairly old. Can you tell me like how long has that been going on and, and what do you think holds it together? Gosh. Okay. So I didn't even find out about the monthly women's meetups until two years into my training. And I think that they may have started a few years prior before I found out. So they might, I think they might've been around for six years or so, but you would definitely want to talk to Kate Miller since she was one of the founding members, I believe, or one of the most early members of that group. But um, I think it was a year ago, they, the girls who had been organizing that group, they tapped myself and Christy, and they asked us if we would like to start kind of helping out with planning the event or running the event because, you know, everyone is, you know, yeah, in different parts, different right. parts of their lives and whatnot. So my friend Christy and I, we've, kind of, we've been helping them out for the past year, and it's been really fun. And what makes that community stick together? So there's a lot of weekly or monthly meetups that start up in various places, but it seems to me like if that one's been going on for six or maybe even seven years now, that says something, there's something special there. There must be either people at the center of it or an idea, or what do you think keeps it going? Yeah, I definitely think that the the girls who have been running it are incredibly dedicated to it. And it also helps that the monthly DC women's meetup is supported mm -hmm. or by APK. Okay. They let us use their gym in the wintertime, and they also let us use their waiver system as well. So with that legitimacy, it really kind of, uh, yeah, it makes it more yeah, legitimate. That inf well, that infrastructure makes People it... People feel more comfortable with that right. as well. How do those jams run? Have you been to other jams, and have you seen differences in structure and layout? Like, is there some thing about how that jam runs each month that might be an interesting feature that people could take away for the uh, little events that they're running? Yeah. So I, when I first joined the jam as a participant a few years ago, I was a little bit surprised because they do teach it as a class, sort of. They always do it like a group warm up where everyone's trained, kind of getting to know each other, doing icebreakers, mm -hmm. movement warm ups. And then it's right now we divide it up into a newcomers group and a returners group. And we kind of run through some exercises led by a group leader and then we will usually switch off halfway so that maybe the returners will get to try the same obstacles that the beginners were trying mm. in the first part and then we bring it together for the last 30 minutes of class usually doing like maybe a group game with newcomers and returners or sometimes just obstacle course and then a cool down so i was really surprised that it was so structured i thought when i first went to the jam that it would be like a jam but i actually think i do appreciate that to have the class because especially for newcomers i think that that's valuable to have a structured introduction so that you don't feel like you're the only person who doesn't know what's going on right there's there's definitely like a vocabulary to the way people move, obviously, but also to the way people interact in spaces and how they decide, are we taking turns or is there etiquette here? Or does this person, is there like mm -hmm. a rank, is there a structure? And if you have a beginner space that you set aside for that, then all of those things that everybody else takes for granted, those things become overt. And then suddenly everybody is asking, when I ask the question, everybody else goes, I have that exact same question. You know, <laughs> that, So I, I think there is a lot of benefit to having not a beginner like safe space, but having a set aside area where, okay, we're going to go over all the basics because that's what these people deserve. 
So I would agree with you that I think that's a feature that makes it successful. I haven't been there, but yeah. Sounds... Yeah. One of the nice things is that Kate, who is usually the head yeah, coach Kate, for that Kate event, Miller. yeah, Kate Miller, she always does the intro spiel and she always says, hey, newcomers, maybe go and hang out, group up with these coaches. We're going to run through these drills and returners, you can try these drills with these coaches. But, you know, if you feel like you still want the basics, right. go to the other group and, you know, you can go between the groups. No, don't worry about. Yeah, you you know, how judged, it's going to be right? perceived, you know, if you feel like you're not getting challenged enough, go to the other group. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think they're really good with that. So you also teach and coach for the PK Silver program, which is run within PK Move. And that's a completely different type of coaching, a different environment. It's a different type of student. You have different goals. That, like everything is different. And I'm, I'm wondering how challenging was it to go from being a parkour practitioner to try and then implement this very... I'm going to say like constrained, but it's a very specific curriculum. There's very clear actionables and things are done a certain way. Did you find that challenging to try and work with people that are a generation or maybe two Mm. generations up? Yes, I would definitely say that initially I was a little bit, yeah, I I was kind of, it was hard to think like, I really want to like parkour, isn't parkour jumping like mostly? And then it's like, no, we can't do jumping with this (laughs) uh, group. So once you kind of decide that, you know, you can be more flexible with your definitions, then it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to still be doing some training. Before I, I think probably before I even started teaching classes, I had taken the Silver Golden Hearts Senior Fitness Specialty class. Right. So it was just kind of like a, it was just like a one day training on some concerns that seniors would have in their fitness and how as a trainer you should approach them. So I had that background in the back of my mind and, um, Initially, we were also doing usually two coaches at a time. That's part of our insurance. We have to have two coaches on hand. So Nancy is usually always around to double check, make sure that things are kosher, making sure that things are up to par and not too crazy. (laughs) Surprisingly, yes. No, she, she, because usually she's going crazy over there, but uh, no, she, she takes that very seriously. (laughs) If you think back to before when you were coaching for PK Move, can you tell me about the point in time where you realized that you could contribute at that level that, that these other women are able to contribute their time and the, the insight that they provide? And I'm just wondering if you can describe the mindset or the shift in your thinking that would have happened for you to be able to like step up and do that. Well, um, training with my mom was one of the, I guess, one of the reasons why it was important to me because uh, she is older than like, I don't want to say older than Nancy, but, you know, she's, like, older than Nancy. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So my mom is, like, super, super agile, super excited, like, usually much more, generally much more agile and capable than other, some other people that are her age. So that's just inspiring to me. And uh, it's important to both Nancy and to my mom that these sort of, Activities that are challenging, yet fun and uh, inclusive are available to, you know, the population. So helping out with the PK Silver groups, uh, group classes was was like, I want to help out my mom. I see these folks as my mom, you know, and I'm going to help them out. (laughs) What if you can think of one, what is one lesson that your mother taught you that's stuck with you your whole life? Mm, I'll just say that recently she was incredibly just straightforward with me. She was saying it was around Valentine's Day. She saw something in the newspaper about an article about dating while gray. And that just made her so angry. 
just because like what is gray are you just saying that everybody who's like you know over 60 is gray we're all like decaying we're not up there with like the hot young things like is is like why is she was just very angry that they seemed marginalized and that you know people that were in her position were being marginalized marginalized and treated so differently so i would just say that that happened recently and that really kind of struck a nerve i'm like dang yeah no my mom ain't i mean yeah she got gray hair but i don't think that she's any less of a person and i don't think that she should have any of these special sort of like i I, it just didn't seem right like i'm like like i don't see my mom as being like gray you know even though she is over 60 you you feel me so i would just say that yeah you gotta just treat everybody like a human and take care of everybody (laughs) we're all gonna get that way and she was like very very adamant about like i ain't gonna turn gray i'm not gonna like go kicking like i'm gonna go kicking and screaming into my age like i can't lie down (laughs) and take it you know so i'll just say that i admire that spirit in her (laughs) yes yeah rosie i'm wondering if you want to share any of your perspective of what you know about how pk move works and how coaching and organizations work i think a lot of people don't understand the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes and pk move is a a large project but even on smaller projects a lot of work goes on that people don't see and i'm wondering if you want to share any of your perspective often seem to be the quiet person in the room that people underestimate yeah um well i'll just say that nancy our president and i guess the impetus for our organization she she leads everything she spearheads everything she tells me about most of it and i am definitely just I'm just so surprised with everything that it does go into running the organization. Even with when we initially appealed or applied for the uh, partnership with the Alexandria, Alexandria RP, yeah, the recreational and parts department um, to get uh, the pop-up parkour playground equipment, just doing the initial spiel in front of like the group of other well-qualified applicants was, you know, I'm like, wow, this is so real now. when we're standing there next to all these other great groups. So I will just say that that itself could be enough to persuade some people from saying, wow, this is going to be really, really difficult. And I don't think we can do this. But with Nancy's support, you know, we all recognize that, uh, yeah, we can do this. She is absolutely positive about everything, a driving force. And I would say that without her guidance, we wouldn't be nearly as successful as we are. So there's a lot of, even the insurance, the insurance, all the little bits of insurance that we need to make sure that we have to run this organization like properly. So many things that I just, I myself actually don't understand. So um, we're actually going to be hosting the North American Women's Jam in Washington, D.C. this summer. So everybody should come out. <laughs> I'm helping plan it. But yeah, I would just say that it doesn't matter. Uh, we, you know, we're going to make it amazing. But regardless, even if you have any doubts, you should still come out because it is just at a great event. And you get to meet people who you probably wouldn't run into any other time. So when you went out to Colorado, did you go with someone in particular or did you just go by yourself? I, I went with my friend Christy. Right. So the two of you went out. So do yeah. you think that like going as a buddy system makes it easier? I mean, that'd be my guess. It's easier to go to a new town and have somebody like you have a common yeah, point. Of- I, I do definitely like having people who I know just as a backup. You know, it turned out we met plenty of really cool people. Some people who, you know, we were just like dying to see and we got to see them the next following year and you know, still keep in t- contact on Facebook and whatnot. But uh, 
yeah, it was, it was nice to have a friend to go out with. In the end, we all met more people. It was I, easy to integrate. <laughs> I think some people have the travel bug and some people don't. And I'm wondering, did you, was it like after you've gone to the event now, do you find yourself getting the bug to travel all mm. the time? So it's like something like it's a switch. Like you, once you go once, then you're, you're hooked. Yeah. That was probably the, the furthest I had traveled for a jam. And I was, yeah, after that, I was like, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. So I went to Boston the following year. I went to Vancouver the year after that. And, um, just up and down the East coast, there's, you know, plenty of gyms and plenty of events and plenty of big jams and friends. So I, I definitely do like doing that. I will admit that I am a little bit of a, a creature of comfort. So I'm not as <laughs> ready to just pick up and go as some people are living out of a suitcase. <laughs> I kind of do like having some comforts, but I do love kind of going around and meeting people. <laughs> I would venture to guess that the majority of women who train don't go to those events just based on the numbers that you see at the events. And I'm wondering, what do you think? What might you guess? holds people back from wanting to go. So why don't they go to women's only events? Mm. Well, I will say that I guess, you know, still we, we try to make them as, you know, like the organizers try to make them affordable. Mm-hmm. Usually most of the ones that I've been to, I think that they've had, you know, either gym accommodations or local hosts. Right. But I will say that probably I have a feeling that it's like money. Most of the time, to be honest. Yeah, the cost of the travel. Even, you know, the gyms and organizers try to help out where they can. But I feel like it's mostly the cost. Because I can't see why you wouldn't want to go. Because so, it's just so fun. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it costs, or maybe you got work the next day. I don't know. So two years ago, I was at a session. I don't want to drop too many names. I was at a session where the topic that was being discussed was gender representation or the gender gap in parkour. And I would venture to guess that everybody within the sound of my voice would be like, yes, there's a gender gap. And if the people saying that are male, they're always interested in closing the gap or bringing more women into the art, the sport, however you want to put it. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on, do you feel that there is a difference in representation? And I'm I'm kind of begging the question because PK Move is predominantly run by women and it has a very, the uh, women's voices are very strongly represented and that's a good thing. And I'm, I'm just wondering, like, is, do you see that as something that is exceptional, meaning that it's not seen elsewhere? Or do you think that that's just the nature of parkour? Like, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on, is there a gap and how does that gap really play out? Yeah. The makeup of our board and of our founders, that never actually really striked me as being outstanding. Um, it just seemed kind of like natural. These are my friends and, you know, mm-hmm. we all train parkour and we created an organization. I guess that looking back on it, yeah, I guess there weren't that many women involved in when when I was started training, but I always had like a, a good girlfriend here or there. But honestly, I think that most people probably agree that like gym environments for the most part are like super welcoming Like, it didn't matter. Like, I had friends who were, you know, like, 16-year-old high school boys, and then I had friends who were, like, mothers. And it was kind of like, everybody's together. Everybody's on the same boat. Some people can do flips. Some people can't. But whatever, we're all still training at the same gym where most of us are still in the same classes. So I guess that the gap never really struck me as being weird, and I never really felt different because I had, you know, good friends, and everybody was friendly and welcoming. But after joining the women's jam, I started to realize that there are a a good amount of girls here who I see every month at this jam, but I don't see them at the like weekly jams in Virginia Mm -hmm. or in the DC area. And still not sure exactly how to bring them out, but I think that maybe the novelty of having the monthly women's jam is 
that's beneficial that's because drawing, it's novel. It draws them out. It, it draws them out. Rather, whereas, you know, the weekly jam, you know what's going to happen every week. Yeah, like, if you, you had know? to guess, what do you think keeps them? Is it just a lack of novelty? But that doesn't, that seems like something, <laughs> if that's what, I mean, I'm not criticizing, yeah. but if that draws them out, that doesn't actually tell me, well, what's actually keeping them back? Is it, you know, it could be fear of falling. It could be fear of what I'm wondering, what do you think is keeping them from appearing? Since we know they're there, they do show up monthly. So what do you think keeps the average woman parkour practitioner from showing up? Yeah, I can't, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I don't know. I really do think it's a novelty. Like having something special makes it worthwhile to do something. I don't know. That's just how I feel about the national, the yearly, Mm -hmm. the annual women's jam as well as the monthly women's jam. I guess, you know, people, they also always say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm still at work. I don't get out till six. That's when the jam starts. It's going to get dark by seven. You know, that's always, you know, a good excuse, too. Right. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that special events are very good for women. You mentioned before that you had trained with, I think you said something like a, a sophomore high school guy and then somebody else's mom. And you never really were considering the gender gap or even the gender distribution So I want to like circle back to that and say, okay, to me, that actually is a little unusual to have that wide range of ages and genders mixed in one class. So can you take me back a little bit to like where actually that training was happening? Talk about that space and just unpack a little bit more what that environment was like, because I think you may have been in a rather unique environment that other people don't Mm. have access to. Yeah. Okay. So I, I started my parkour training. Aside from following the kids at the UVA Parkour Club around, I started at the Gym Urban Evolution in Alexandria. And I guess that it is a little bit novel to have teenagers training with adults. And then sometimes there are little kids in that class as well. I'm going to go ahead and assume that it's because of their band system. They have levels of, if you're a white band, you're pretty much a novice. Once you can test, you know, level up, test and get your green band, um, then you get more privileges at the gym. But also kids who were able to get, you know, kids and adults who are green bands, they could be in the same class. It didn't matter if you were like a 10-year-old who was like right. very skilled or like, you know, like a 50-year-old or a 20-year-old. You're all in the same class. You're all being challenged in the same way. So I guess that when I was taking classes that I was surrounded by all different age groups. And that was really, really cool. You know, they're in the evening. Some of the parents, you know, who if they were a green band, sometimes they were training with their kids because they had both leveled up. And it was really cool. It was intergenerational. And, you know, sometimes you had little kids, teenagers, Mm -hmm. adults, young adults. But that wasn't something you really noticed at the time. It's like fish don't notice water. I just thought it was cool, man. Like you're only as old as you act. And nobody was acting that old, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Like it was cool. Sorry, well, I guess what I was just digging at was uh, I'm trying to like wonder if you're out there trying to do your programming and figure out what your courses should be like. It it seems like I've heard multiple stories, not just from you, but from others about how having that mixture works out well and that the adults, the especially the older adults, learn something from the young kids about the love of life and movement and enjoyment and play. And the kids learn things from the adults and it, it tends to mix well. So it's just an, an interesting, another glimpse at something that we've seen a couple of times. Yeah, I'll say, I guess I'm going to just, yeah, I'll just say it again that the band system kind of, that was super inclusive because mm. like if you could get that band, you're together. Right. We're going to treat you all the same. <laughs> and I think, yeah, that was really, really cool. So actually when I leveled up and I got my green band, I was actually being tested at the same time with, yeah, like a father and his kid. And his kid was probably, you know, 
early teens and the father was a father. <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, teens, like we're right. all, yeah, we're all just being, you know, tested the same, you know, asked Humans to do the moving, same things. Right, right. Yeah. It was cool. <laughs> and of course the final question, three words to describe your practice. I'd have to say grace, calm and adventure. So grace, just because I don't know, you can't, you can't do a movement without grace. If it's chunky, I wouldn't call that parkour. You know, I think that grace is definitely part of that. Calm, you got to be calm to have the grace. And then adventure, just because there's so many things that you can do with your movement. And every time you move, you're learning something new. Thank you very much, Rosie. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. This is fun. This was episode 44. For more information, go to moversmindset.com slash 44. And there's more to the Movers Mindset Project than just this podcast. Visit our website for more free content to sign up for our newsletter, or to join the Movers Mindset community. Thanks for listening.